and you're very welcome to episode 11 of the fourth season of LOI Weekly. Uh, we have been sort of on uh, two weeks staggered uh, episodes of late and we're really happy uh, to bring you these kind of special podcasts in the middle uh, of lockdown. You will remember we actually were a TV show but obviously with the circumstances we've had to change the podcast a little bit and go every two weeks and bring you a special podcast and I think this week uh, we've definitely got a special podcast uh, lined up because we have Niall Quinn, who is Ireland's second record top scorer. It obviously is the uh, interim deputy CEO of the FAI at the moment. And, and it'd be fair to say Niall has definitely uh, entered into a baptism of fire. Not only did he uh, overtake, obviously, a regime that got uh, plenty of headlines, but then he had to uh, deal with the coronavirus implications and the implications for football, uh, which are wrapped up in the in the wider implications for life itself. Uh, so myself and Dan, as ever, we're in association with their sports and independent.ie and um, first of all just like to welcome Niall to the show how are you getting on Niall? Grand yeah doing doing what we can we're all in the same boat it's, it's a very difficult time but yeah getting stuck in and you know a bit like now living on living on these zoom meetings and uh, trying to get as much done as possible. Yeah, it's it's kind of a bland question that we ask uh, the guests uh, every show at the moment. But how has lockdown been for you? Are you are you somebody who's suited to it, or is it is, are you somebody who's uh, maybe struggled with it a bit? No, I haven't struggled because there's been so much on, and and you know attending so many uh, meetings, and whether it's in Zoom or Teams or whatever. But uh, that's good. But also, then I've found bits of time to actually have a little think about my fitness, and I've got cracking on uh, on an old hip problem that I have, and I'm sort of. Uh, doing all these classes online. So uh, funny enough, I actually feel better physically because of lockdown, because I have uh, stopped going to restaurants and pubs till all hours of the morning. And uh, I don't drink at home. It's not my thing. And uh, I'm actually in good shape, feeling good about it. Well, I suppose we have to ask then how you're feeling mentally if you're, if you're feeling okay physically. Because <laughs> it's, it's, it is a challenging time. And we want to talk about a couple of things today. We, we want to talk about the bigger picture of the League of Ireland and the FAI. But very naturally as well, we have a shorter term picture here, which is a big concern, which is related to the 2020 League of Ireland season. So speaking now on, on Wednesday, um, wh- where are we with the 2020 season now? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. So obviously we can't project too far ahead right now because we can't outrun government and HSE with our intent. We have to sit in behind everything they do. But part of our intent is, you know, in two very important areas. One, medical safety for all concerned if matches are to resume. Uh, you know, that has to be spot on. And we're, we're doing a lot of work behind the scenes on that. Uh, in fact, we're, we're waiting on responses now from government to questions we put to them. Uh, you know, I suppose questions that left some sort of ambiguity in the air when the, the phases that were announced by uh, our Taoiseach and what it really meant for us. And we've tried to go deeper into that. And uh, we're, we're told we may have some good responses to that by uh, tomorrow, which, which would be good. And then we can put that into, I suppose, a, a bracket where we will then, we have a lot of work done in terms of how we might be able to uh, apply a medical solution, a safe solution. And that had its, had its, has its origins in notes that we got and letters from clubs saying they were really scared to do that in their own grounds with their volunteers that that responsibility was huge so we took that as, as, a, as a if you like and uh, we had a steering group on that and we, we started to get that into a good position as to how medically and safety wise the grounds that we would select maybe neutral grounds for any potential football uh, would actually operate and, and that's gone quite well and we're getting costs into that as well uh, because money does come into it. So, so while we, we try and be as safe as we can for our players, for the referees, and for anybody who goes to those games officially, uh, you know, 
the, the reality is safety comes first. So, so that, that's a big part of what we're doing. And of course, even if that does come off, you know, we're in position with, with the financial uh, situation as it stands right now, because for our clubs to get behind, to get playing behind closed doors, it is a huge risk for them. And it is, you know, an exposure to, in some cases, you know, uh, potentially having to trade rec- recklessly. And, and we, we understand that. Uh, we have a directive from UEFA to try as hard as we can to keep the leagues operable. But we're, we're, we're unique here in that we've only started the season. We haven't had three quarters of the season or three quarters of our money that we would make in that year. We're, we're very little money in. And, you know, the, the, I can see why the clubs reacted, some of them, the way they did at the start, that this was a, an awful thing. They can't see past it. And so as, as, a, as an FAI, we said, OK, well, let's see what we can do. How can we put safety position in place medically if government HSE allows to go and what would returning to football in the first instance behind closed doors because we feel that's where uh, that's where obviously it's going to start all over Europe what does it look like and what do the clubs need oh you know that process has been going on for some time and I think people get a little bit frustrated when they don't have a running commentary on that process but I'll just give you an example for instance we would have squared off the ability to do streaming around the world with the uh, with the company that uh, that have rights, betting rights around the world and the ability to stream themselves right now. We'd have, we'd have squared off with our uh, domestic partners here, our linear TV partners. So that was done four weeks ago. But then four weeks later, there's a big article in the paper from an industry insider who says, oh, they won't be able to do that. So we are making better progress than people think. But of course, the big two questions, medical safety, et cetera, you know, we, we're, we're ready, we think, to, to put something in place there that will work if we get the go-ahead. And that go-ahead, you could boil it down to social distancing and contact and, and how do the government see that on the 20th of July? And that, that's a, a big question, but uh, that question is broken down in many ways. But for instance, if we're playing a game in the Aviva on the 20th of July and our European clubs are battling out a, a mini competition, if a corner is going into the box and there's 15, 16 people in the, in the box, what does that mean? This is, these are the questions that we, we want to find you know, clarity on that uh, the government will say to us, yes, you can do that or no, you can't. Uh, on the finance side, I drifted away from finances there, but on the financial side, exhausting all potential avenues, uh, and we're being very, very creative about how we can put a, a, almost a guaranteed pot to the clubs to come back and then perhaps have the bonus, if you like, of a streaming revenue that may or may not take off. You know, it could be something that could work uh, brilliantly if people got behind and supported it, because we would, in effect, uh, be the first of, of the big three to come back. Uh, everybody looking quite closely at us. And if we do a good job building that up and, uh, you know, manage to, to get the go-ahead, you know, from, from the players themselves in the first instance that they feel medically safe, that government allows us to, t- to do this and we put a good show on, I think it augurs well and, and it stands us in good stead in, for two reasons. One, I think uh, the value of having these conversations with streaming companies and understanding that market far better for the future for, for the League of Ireland so we can see games around the world. And I think also then in relation for the work we'll have to do if we are to play internationals behind closed doors uh, this year. So we're trying to keep a positivity out there. And I think our, our CEO, Gary, has, has said publicly, you know, he, well, he was two or three out of 10 in terms of where this was going a couple of weeks ago. He's near a five, six, seven now. I, I, you know, I'd be a seven man, I'm glass half full. But there is scope for the clubs to have a decision to make that will be medically 100% where it needs to be, we hope, and that financially it'll ask them the question, is it worth coming back to do it? 
And we also have our eye on the long term. We've spoken to a couple of um, sporting economists internationally. And, and the big fear about closing up months, guys, is how do you resurrect it and get it back off the ground again, to get it back even to where it was? And you must remember, before lockdown, we were looking at trying to improve and go forward with the league. And, and now there's a worry if we don't play for nine months, we'll be starting at such a low end that, you know, the, the, I suppose the, the people in uh, sports economy uh, companies that we spoke to are saying, do everything you can to get these games played and keep the band alive. So, so that's a big, that's a big uh, mm. risk going forward. And, and, and we're very, very aware of, of the problems. And, and this isn't us just doing it. We know and we understand frustrations. We understand the pain that's out there. But we are trying our best to keep something going. There's, there's, a, lot, there's, a, there's a lot in that, uh, Niall, and there's a few things I want to come back to. Just like you mentioned initially, like what, and it's been put to me by people involved, so, so what is the rationale behind, for example, the use of neutral grounds or the uh, use of selected grounds, shall we say? Is it from a cost perspective? Is it aesthetics? Um, and with regard to for example, the use of stadiums, like is it to do with sort of the, the cost of putting, you know, relevant health facilities in a, at each stadium? Or what's the thinking behind yeah. neutral grounds? As, as you know, for some clubs, that would involve travel costs and, and other issues, which, which would be a concern for them. Well, that's right. But I suppose in the first instance, we got the feedback that we asked for from the clubs, A, on the finances, and B, you know, how they would feel about campaigns in their home ground. And most of them, in fact, all of them uh, spent most of their notes back and, you know, maybe 50, 60, 70 percent of the notes back was the problems around the, the medical safety and how, in most cases, ask their volunteers to be held responsible for games that were going ahead there. Uh, should they be just, you know, given some, some information from uh, HSE or ourselves and tell their volunteers to get on with it? So they were very, very worried about that and they were loud about that and, and we understood it. So a way to get around that is to put our own professional team into a letter stadiums, make sure that stadium is perfect to play in medically and make sure that games are heavily played there, that our professional team go there night after night. That's, that's opposed to you know, having uh, 20 separate teams around the country or 19 if you count over as, as, as one. So um, that made it safer, and everybody agreed that that would be better. It was good to hear the clubs coming back saying, "Well, that's a good start. Uh, we don't we don't mind it traveling so much if, if the finances are are okay when we when we look at that." But um, they felt a lot better that they weren't asking their own volunteers to be held responsible. How many grounds are you talking about there in terms of basically are not not fit for this sort of system? Oh no, every make fit for the system but you know we're just trying to to make it and look at the integrity of the competition and try and make it neutral so you know if you put a team in who play there anyway and they're playing all their matches there have they got an advantage so we're trying to find uh ways of, of making these games take place safely with, mm. with no responsibility to the clubs that would keep the integrity of the competition and uh you know, we had some good conversations with, with, with grounds outside of our own 19 or 20, you know, good conversations with, with I think it's known now, with, with Aviva and, and others. And and I think, um, you know, it, it, when you start to, to, to see that side of it and see how it could operate and how games every night uh, and perhaps two at weekends in, in the same stadium, um, you know, you don't have to get the crowd in and out. You know, you just have to get the, uh, the structure of it all right mm. and the production right. And then, of course, it, it feeds into a, a you know a more complex issue of marketing and how we get it out there and which streaming company do we go with, for instance, if that's where we go. But I suppose getting the games 
on and and doing enough to satisfy you know the 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 players the referees and to satisfy clubs themselves that they're doing the right thing playing football that's that's a big task right now and as i said at the start we can't outrun government and hse we must stay in behind uh their orders and rightly so and and i think as you said earlier daniel other leagues have got back sooner because the the restrictions coming from, from you know their own governments and their own uh, sort of HSEs, if you like, are, are allowing them to do that. Ours aren't right now, so so that just happens to be the way it is. But mm. none, of us, none of us are going to knock our government for the path they've taken. They, they've they've been very good at what they've done so far. I, I just but on the, the the sort of practicalities of testing, um, like there's a substantial cost, I think, potentially attached. But who who would foot the bill for that? So this is part of the uh, of the. Was that the financial certainty that we'd be hoping to create when we have the clubs? So we're hoping to have a pot of money that takes care of that. We're hoping to have a guaranteed pot of money. Would we hand the money out there and then to clubs? I, I, I'm not so sure it's going to be like that, but we may have uh, an underwrite, if you like, that is attractive to the clubs that will pay for the for the uh, the medical requirements, whether that's testing, cleansing of grounds, etc., repeated cleansing of of grounds, and new games coming in, etc. So so there's a big body of work on into that and there is a cost and we have we have the guts of that cost now we're nearly ready to go to clubs to show them that but of course there's no point just going to clubs with bad news about cost we have to have money coming in as well so we're, we're pretty confident that we will have an amount that that will uh, get people thinking seriously about coming back and then of course if um if streaming does work and that starts to to you know eat into the the problem and, and make things better for clubs and that's great but we wouldn't be going to the club saying we're going to tell you to take a big risk now on streaming and it comes in, it comes in if it doesn't we're all in trouble that's not going to be the way we and that's that's a big thing isn't it as well because you said pretty confident there and like so many people are just looking for some sort of clarity so where is the confidence coming from and can you elaborate on how this money might might come together because obviously everyone's in stuck at the moment yeah, as I said, we're being creative, but what I don't want to do is jeopardize it and uh, put pressure on the areas where we think you know money will come from. And the reason I say that, guys, is everybody is looking at government at HSE to see when we can go back. We're putting stuff together uh, around, I suppose, a, a creative uh, input of finance into the league for this moment in time. I can't go into the detail because it will just put it at risk. But what I can say is we're having some very fruitful conversations with interested parties and, uh, and we're, we're looking at having a meaningful sum on the table when we get everything together and we know that we have uh, HSEs backing to go for it at a particular day. It, but is, is, is increased state support a part of this, Niall, or maybe some security around the wage subsidy scheme, um, mm. which is obviously a at the moment is, is quite an important thing because I know FIFA had been mentioned, but there's maybe my suggestion, the timelines on FIFA may not be immediate. Well, um, so where I, maybe I know you appreciate you can't tell us maybe where money is coming from, but is, are these elements in it, state support and FIFA? Well, you, 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 you were looking at everything, uh, Daniel, and, and if the state support scheme carries on, then that would be great. And obviously that makes it somewhat easier than if it's done. But at the same time, then you would say, is, is it worth it for government to create a bigger dole queue for our players, or is it better to have them playing football, keeping our industry alive, and and keeping the the support scheme in place? Now, I wouldn't go too deep into that, but obviously, it would make it better for us if the support scheme was alive and well, and we knew it would be 
the duration of any games, whether it's an 18 season, 27 season, you know, these, these are matters that we will deal with when we know some, um, some firmer and more important points about finance and, and the health. So you're hoping to maybe go to clubs with information next week, I gather. Like, what type of... I, I, I was glad you said you gather. Um, you, you, it was good to, to hear that from you this morning. Um, we're going to go as quickly as we can, Daniel. And I think if government are responsive tomorrow and we get some good depth analysis from the uh, responses that we're looking for, and we can start to bring the clubs in a little bit nearer to where we're going, all right, and fully understand their frustration and fully understand the the negativity that was around at the start of all this, but but we've kept our heads down and we think we will have something for them to say and hopefully and, and again all all dependent. So, what what type of majority do you need though? Like what no maybe idea. Like- I, I've I've no idea. It's such an unusual circumstance. Uh, in NLEC meetings and with the league meetings, rather than have that argument at this point, I mean, there's no point in saying no as a group to something that's not ready for presentation yet. Let us bring it to you, and, and I do believe it will be uh, it'll be the clubs themselves who will, will have a mechanism of deciding. Just, just to clarify as well, you mentioned earlier because one of the points that's been mentioned about streaming. I know you're saying that maybe streaming may not necessarily be funding this; it might be something of a bonus. But mm-hmm. you do have deals with RTE, with Air Sport, with Track Champ. Are you suggesting that it's been cleared with them that you have the facility to stream independently? So there's two types of streaming, there's domestic and international, and already, you know, we have to make sure that we carry out our domestic duty, which is an amount of games that RTE and AIR are allowed to carry. But there's an awful lot more games than that that we can show domestically as well. But that's the domestic market, but the international market is uh, is there for us. Now, what does that mean? It's a big place, you know, and, and we've spoken to uh, more, mar- more so marketeers. Uh, for, for digital strategist marketeers and how we could uh, get this to start to make and pay dividends around the world. And it's I mean, interesting talking to them. So, so that, that, that's all available to us. So if you think about it, I think RTE of uh, about 15 games, maybe 25 games in total. I, I don't know how many they showed up to now. Uh, Air have some games as well. But if you add up the amount of games between both leagues that would play, for instance, in, a, in an 18 or 27 game league, you know, there, there, there's... 100 in, in one scenario and over 200 in another. So we go domestically to also, you know, honour our uh, contracts there in RTE and show football. And I think they'll be delighted with that. And we've got a full range of, of the globe to go for with uh, the international. And, and as I said, you know, earlier, that's been a really interesting conversation because it starts to, to make you look and know more about what could be happening next year, the year after, etc. So this might just be a gateway to a better position internationally on our, on our streaming ability. I guess so on the streaming though, I know the only thing that matters about anything really is the now in terms of getting this season up and running if, as best we can. What is the potential for streaming? I mean, we've seen games like from Korea and, you know, that have attracted huge view, viewing online. There might not be that much going on this summer, but clubs seem to be extremely sceptical that there would be any kind of real hunger for this. And will it bring in any money for them at all, potentially? Well, there you go. So, so you know, I think we have about eleven or twelve thousand diehard fans in, in the League of Ireland who who make up the majority of the attendances a week. And uh, you know, to the majority of them to support their club and give them a package to watch every game that their club plays. We will see could they come to the table on that. Uh, we also have you know lots of um, of data where we have you know Republic of Ireland football fans. You know, far more in, in greater number, and this is their time to come and and help the cause and we would be marketing to that audience 
And then when you start to look internationally then at the, at the diaspora, and now also there's other sports lovers, you know, around that, that we would hope would, would think about this as well. You know, bearing in mind that GAA and, and rugby will probably benefit from where it starts and where it goes and could possibly follow us on. So that, that, that's a, a starter at home, if you like. But then when you look at the, the way the digital strategists around the world tap into the various markets and the, the Irish diaspora market around the world, it can be contacted quite easily. Will, will they, you know, stand up for the cause? That's a, that's you know a, a big question. And uh, I suppose in talking to streaming companies who are telling us that this is all available, you know, one of the things we want to do is say, okay, you know, put your money where your mouth is. Where where will you go to say you'll you'll give our clubs a guarantee on, mm-hmm. on an amount? So these are the kind of questions that we're having, and so it's starting to be it's starting to form the basis of something positive like. So, so track champs not an issue then you're saying that's no. not an obstacle to international track champ uh, have the rights to the um, uh, betting screening if you like or streaming so in mm. other words for, for bookmakers to, uh, to to have it on their on their websites or whatever so that, that's where they come in but to actually go and stream in a behind a paywall for the games only we're absolutely within our rights to do that globally. that's an interesting point though so betting then would have to be true track champ on that. The no, betting potential. No, no, track, track Champ aren't, aren't a bookmaker. They just provide the, uh, the, the pitches for betting companies to uh, form betting markets. And so that will carry on. But separately, we'll be asking non-betters around the world to... Uh, that's what we do, of course, if the clubs do it. We'll be asking them to, uh, to see, can they come to, to, our, to our aid? Just a couple more things on this. Um, there was a couple of tweets from Stuart Gilhooley, the PFAI solicitor, last weekend pointing out, and I touched on this in the piece today, that we are in a situation with, you know, if the health officials give us the okay to play, um, but clubs then vote not to proceed because they're not satisfied with the financial package, are you fearful what might happen with players and with player contracts? If, if the health authorities are okay to play and we say no because we're not satisfied with the package, then what are we potentially facing into? Well, first of all, UEFA are imploring us to say yes at all costs, and uh, that that's something that we take into account. I'll talk to you about until it's directed nine months time. We harness what happened in the contract players in the meantime, and uh, I think we'll have we'll have some um, some very difficult conversations. And I believe the brand will suffer immeasurably. Th- th- these are the things that we, as an FAI uh, group, you know, decided that look, we must do everything we can to prevent this happening. I don't want to go too deep and be negative about where it could go. But it's pretty obvious, you know, Stuart Lulee is, is talking sense there. We've got to do everything we possibly can to get this show back on the road. Um, the alternative, you know, it's just awful for our players. And remember, the players are the stars of the show. And we've had the PFAI on, on literally every two days in, in our working group with the NLEC and, and the referees as well, I might add, uh, to just try and keep people abreast and keep players advise that we are going where we can. And I take your point, we're, we're, we're behind the, the, the other European countries, but we're also behind the, uh, the government and HSE, and, and they are being more cautious than other countries. And, and that's fine, we respect it, we never knock government for that, but we can't outrun them at this point. We can only build up and get ourselves ready as best we can. So, so to answer your question, I really hope football is played again. I hope the league continues. I think it will do the league a great service going forward if we were the first uh, of the big sports to come back and despite mm. all the difficulties that we found a way to do it and the game could, could could rejoice in that as opposed to taking the option of let's try and build a brand and take it off the ground again mm. next February when uh, when players' contracts have been completely uh, thrown up in the air. 
Will, will there be a risk, though, in what clubs have to decide on here? Because it, it, all, it all comes back to this guaranteed pot, ultimately, because I've spoken to people in clubs who are very worried that they operate off, you know, they operate off door-to-door fundraising and people coming into their games. And mm-hmm. look at the statistics. Around Europe, we have a, a huge reliance on match day income. This is a, I appreciate something you've inherited, but this is a, you know, this is our state of play here. So, are you ultimately going to be asking the clubs to, to who are most skeptical about this to take some kind of leap to believe, or or do you hope that this that this guaranteed pot you can somehow pull together minimizes that risk considerably? If we can't cancel the risk totally with the minimum pot that we'll will guarantee, we would hope that the uh, that the view would be taken that you know, and we'll show where we'd have to be on streaming to get to that point, you know, and and and. I haven't got the numbers now. I couldn't even go into that with you. That that would uh, that that would be enough for them to say, yeah, come on, let's let's rally around and go for it. I mean, that that's a that's a fair question that you asked, Daniel. And, and I think it would be a shame for this to break down on on an amount that would have come in easily by streaming. So so we just have to you know view all those obstacles really and uh, try and, and and flatten out the, the curves as much and the hills as much as we can on the basis that uh, it is the best thing if football carries on. UEFA will look on us more favourably for doing it. Uh, I think government will, but, you know, we need a little bit of help everywhere. And uh, that help is starting to show itself. And, and we're confident we will have something. Okay. Just um, sort of a slight point of order as such as well, that you have obviously some clubs at the moment who've laid off players versus some clubs that continue to pay players. And this is a, a talking point because... Clubs have laid players off. You would think under licensing that they still owe money to those players going forward, you know. And is this another complication that some clubs have continued to pay and some clubs haven't? And there's a feeling that is there a situation that those clubs who haven't paid now could be gaining an advantage in some shape or form? Is this part of the equation? Yeah, I think that's that's a a question for the clubs to to work out themselves when they come back together. You know, that's what the NLEC is for, is to come. And and, and obviously, unity is the big key here. And, uh, you know, obviously, clubs have had to do what they've had to do. And we totally understand when Sligo Rovers went and St. Patrick's Athletic went. We we understood, and then Waterford and Cork came. And, um, you know, and and the four clubs who qualified for Europe were holding holding firm, and then the other couple of clubs as well, all showing concerns. And and we we get that. And then you have the, you know, the, the nine other clubs uh, in, in the first division and so we've listened to everybody we really have Daniel and we're seeing where people are and we, we kind of understand their pain and we, we so just go back to your first point there about you know crowds coming in the gate and we rely on that effectively we're trying to replace the gate mm. okay and then you have a medical bill on top yeah. okay and how many games do you play do you is it a full season is it you know a restricted number of games but what is it that gets us there that gives us a, a you know the the, the title winners at the end and the qualifiers for Europe at the end of the season. That, that's that's the, the place we want to be. We're not certain there's still questions to ask, but um, to, to find comfort with the clubs that we might not be where the gate and where the medical is, but would they take a leap to go for it if that gap isn't isn't too bad? You know, that's probably a way of looking at it, uh, Daniel. And that would then bring the players back in if the clubs go for it would bring the players back in. Now, it goes into a little bit of a minefield because I'm, 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 I'm not got the answer of what the decision-making 
formula is like for the clubs, but it will be the clubs and unity required to do this. Mm. Where do the first division clubs, sorry, Dan, where do the first division clubs fans come in on this? And where, you know, you mentioned the NLAC and a lot of obviously first division clubs and fans feel that they're probably a bit left out of the process and obviously skeptical about streaming and all that as well. No, they're totally in the process. And, uh, you know, funny enough, um, UEFA said to us that we could call off that league if we wanted to, but they, we'd have to go back to them for permission if the clubs don't accept it in the Premier League. But that's not, that was never in our thinking. We think um, the first division. Uh, clubs and, and, and the League of Ireland brand is just as important and they would be part of the process going forward. Uh, they, what's in their favour is they don't need as much finance surety. Uh, would, they would they nearly be happy with the, would the first vision clubs nearly be happy with the season being canned? No, I think they all want to play. Uh, they had a meeting uh, what are we on now? I think on Monday and they, and they wrote to us to say that all of us are doing, going to do everything we can to help you to get back behind closed which was great. And, and, and as I say, it's not as difficult for them in terms of a number that has to be reached to satisfy them because they don't have the costs of some of the bigger clubs in the uh, Premier League. Uh, we recognise that, but it was also good of them to come and say, look, keep doing, you know, the, the message for them was keep going for it. We're here and uh, we'd, we'd, you know, we'd, we'd like to show our unity to say we're right behind you. That, that was good. And, and we will, um, we will endeavour, you know, to make sure that they feel comfortable with it going forward just as much as the just finally on this before we move on to general stuff, is spectators returning to stadiums this year completely off the agenda? Or is one of the questions to government uh, to do with, I mean, this safe spectating figure, you know, the roadmap, I mean, I see Basketball Ireland speaking today about what they might be doing. They make reference to the roadmap and limited spectators. Like, are you still looking to establish that you could have a small number of fans, even if it's just 500? Because as you know, in some clubs, that, that could mean a lot. Yeah, and, and wouldn't it be lovely if we were back playing and we were able to bring our fans back and we had a streaming income? That, that's, um, that's, that would be you know, the, the best position to be. But again, we can't outrun the government on that, but we can plan. But that's, you know, that, that's, that's not something you, you can sort of put down and say, oh, it's going to happen, so you'll get money out of that. Again, it would be, it's bonus territory if it happens. But again, the questions that we sent up to government that were awaiting response on would include how do they envisage fans coming back into stadiums? It looks as if it will start behind closed doors. Where, where, where do they feel at this point is the safe place, or is there is it possible to even tell us that? And and if it's something that we just have to, you know, play along with and work out uh, later on in the event, wouldn't it be great if we were playing our, our our games? We were up and running. We had our streaming revenue. We had our guarantee that the clubs liked, and then fans were allowed to come back in and in small numbers, maybe at first. But um, that 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 would be something. That, I think we might all look, feel bad that we didn't persevere if suddenly in October we could do that. So when, when, so when are you looking to decide, ultimately? I mean, when do we need to know? The government's answers and responses will be important at this point. And uh, then we, we, we kind of have all our, our cost silos to come together on that. We, we'll, we'll mix in both are very important areas. Obviously, the, the safety, medical safety is absolutely paramount. Who's with us? We're, we're, you know, as we as we attempt to get creative to bring people to give the the underwrite, if you like, that 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 will make this happen and pile them all together as quickly as we can, and uh, be able to go to the clubs with some form of roadmap that would see, you know, some surety about getting their players back training, even you know. Just, just okay. So the, the the general picture in the League of Ireland now. Then I mean, to, to hopefully we can all get past this in some shape or form, and however however it plays itself out, but. I guess this debate has probably exposed 
one of the issues I would feel about the League of Ireland is you do have quite a degree of inequality within the league. You have professional clubs who want certain things. You have part-time clubs with different needs. You have clubs in the first division at amateur level. How do you fuse this all together in terms of looking at the strategy? Because I know there's a steering group that's now meeting, it's, it's, it's reconvened to look at broader issues. So how do you sum up the picture at the moment? Well, actually, the group that has come back together is every club. So we, we've had 19 representatives at those meetings every Thursday. And um, that, that's been really interesting because, you know, at the start, there was bits of, of anger in the air about the way, obviously, the FAI had treated the league in the past, and, and we accepted that. But we also accepted that a participation agreement between us going forward, uh, you know, to create a new league, that it could be achieved together if we show unity. If we, you know, uh, which we admitted, dial back on the fact that the agreement up to now was heavily weighted in favour of the FAI, that the clubs should be getting, be getting more out of it, but that we would protect certain... Um, I suppose, criteria in going forward that academies were protected, that women's football was, was given the exposure nationally that it needs to be amongst the League of Ireland clubs. And, you know, th- there's a number of things and that, you know, that clubs would sign up to a plan that would eventually see better facilities, uh, you know, to, to at least come as one in our, in, our, in our attempt to make our stadiums better. Uh, there's a number of things, you know, that, that I could go into there. But essentially, that you know, that we, we didn't just see a group within the club saying we want to go a particular way, others want to go another. We think they themselves where they want to go as a group in, in lots of areas, but we just like to protect sort of, uh, I suppose, the, 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 I think the vulnerable areas that are, it's vital that we protect the vulnerable areas. And I'm really happy for the clubs now to, uh, to get into a better position about, you know, I suppose, fulfilling their own futures and how that looks commercially, how that, you know, looks competition-wise, what way does the league structure, and, and who will sign for those criteria that include top-class academies at every club, that includes women's football at every club. Uh, you know, and, and in terms of the academies that, that, you know, the boys and girls are making their way to up that elite ladder. And so how that mixes back in with grassroots is also very important to us because we think that wasn't done very well the launch of the national leagues. We think there's um, some engagement to be done there uh, that mm. will make hopefully life better for all concerned. And uh, in general, we, you know, we'd be hoping that the clubs would sign up to, to uh, I suppose, a future and, and the participation agreement with terms of reference that would take that into account. But then they would have a big say in how they go forward themselves. And I think that's how you get unity. The, the, yeah, you mentioned the national underage leagues, and that's significant because it hasn't always been mentioned in some of the debates around the future of the league, where they stand, and it keeps coming back to me from people at Query. So, obviously, you know, we have the 13s, 15s, 17s, 19s at the moment. Is this something you envisage staying in place going forward? Is, is there changes to how it operates? And also, I mean, there is a question that's around there. Is Rude Doctor staying? Is he still part of this vision going forward? In an ideal world, we will have 13s, 14s, 15s, 16s, and 18s. We will we'll, we'll break that back. But what we will also have is a fairer system. Now, and I say, I, I'm not even so sure it would start at 13 because we really need to bring this, this relationship between grassroots and football back. Uh, there needs to be a, a, a proper uh, domestic compensation agreement for feeder clubs whose players go into the National League. And, and we want to get to a point where, where you know, our schoolboy clubs around the country are proud that they're associated with the League of Ireland club not just the privileged few, and that clubs know then that when one of their players gets picked to go into an academy, that they are in line to be to be uh, compensated for having brought the player to that point. 
Um, that's, that's a structure that takes place in many other countries. We're not inventing uh, the wheel there. But of course, the way the National League was introduced, it, it, was, it, was, it wasn't great. Okay, let's put that way. So there's a re-engagement there and we have to get, build up trust again. You know, and when you speak to, to groups like the, the schoolboys, uh, the FAI, the SFAI and, and others, you know, and there, there's, there's definitely resentment in the air about the way that whole thing took off. And so that has to be repaired. And, and we need to uh, have both sides understand that it must be done better. And, and we think that's a very important part of the League of Ireland going forward, that what we're trying to do at the top end of it is to make, you know, the stadiums better, to give better, um, you know, even, even for the players that fit to contract as, as requisite. That kind of stuff, but if that comes in, uh, you know, that at the, at the other end of the scale, that we're also got League of Ireland clubs who have a, a relationship now with grassroots football and that we have a, a system in, in play. And then the elite ones from that go into our, uh, our international uh, areas, you know, so we're under 15, 16, 17s, et cetera, and just to, to finish it off. And, and, and that end of it is what Rude Doctor has spent most of his time on, Daniel, to this, to this point. And I think it's fair to say when we went in there uh, late January, February, and we started having conversations, Gary and I, I was particularly interested, obviously, in the football development and, and how everything was going. Um, very quickly, I saw that our, our underage teams were doing quite well, were, were very well ranked, uh, you know, from under 17 upwards. Our under 21s have really come good, as you know. And in, in, although we didn't know how long it would take, we knew Stephen Kenny was coming at some stage. We were hoping it was after the Euros that we were also building up to. And uh, we were just feeling our way and finding our way through what was there, what is Rue built up, and what, uh, you know, what, what were the, the traits of that that make it stand out? And, and is it good enough to say that it would be able to, create, to help us create our own identity as, as, as a footballing nation in our own right? And, and I think when, when I looked then and Stephen got the job, I was actually delighted. Nobody told Stephen Penny what to say, by the way. He didn't be a, he went up in his house. He said a fabulous thing that really resonated uh, with me. And that was, if every schoolboy and schoolgirl team in the country wants to play like the Irish team, mm. that will be success. And, and that was it. And I, I, was, I, I was really, like the hairs went up on my neck when I heard that. I went, that's what we want. And so when does, does, that, like, does that resonate with government? That the government has massively let this country down in terms of football. We've no academies. We've no football industry whatsoever in this country, despite the fact it's pretty much our most important participation sport. It's obviously been mentioned that horse racing has uh, had a favourable relationship with government. Where is football? Have you any confidence from, I know we have a fractured government at the moment, have you any confidence from within that they have some idea in of how much, not only, you know, the, the old FEI, to my mind, but the government failed football in this country and how much that needs to change, including the League of Ireland. Yeah, we have to remember they helped us out brilliantly at the end of January. So we have to, fair is fair, because we, as you know, the association of football in this country was in, was in it. But I think going forward, that's about a relationship that they could have trust in what we're doing. And there's governance reforms. Now, that's not my bag, but uh, the governance reforms that are being suggested, I know some committees were put together and people are unhappy that those committees haven't sat. But in January, you know, the association as it is now, agreed by signing MOU to all of that. And that's what's happened in EGM. Uh, so so, so it's, a, it's a little bit tricky and that's complex. And, and it, it's not my bag, thankfully. But I don't want to go too deep into it. But government uh, government and the FEI, we need a better relationship going forward. It's off to a good start regardless of who goes in there. I think the Department of Sport feels... Uh, happier with us right now. I, I hope Sport Ireland do too. It feels that way. And then um, I, I guess just in terms of going forward, you know, just to, to and I just want to bring Rude's piece back in there when it came to uh, thinking about 
if Stephen moves up, when Stephen moves up, who goes up with him, what do we do? We had a choice of, of jettisoning something else into the middle of that system that was targeted or letting that system run. But Rude was, was fine about that and he was open to a conversation. And, and so we, we had spent a little bit of time preparing ourselves for the inevitable time, to what was August when Stephen was coming, that had a real good look at what we have and what we're trying to create. And that's why you know, when, when Jim Crawford's name uh, was put in by Rude, he wasn't insisting on it. He asked us to look at it. And Jim and those around him and the system coming up behind him, we felt it was it was really fitting that we have something that we can tangibly look at, hold, touch to say we're all rowing the same way. All teams will play the same. And uh, that to carry on, you know, was the reason why we didn't interfere with Ruth's ability to appoint Jim. So, so, so I just want to get that point out there. And then just to go back mm. to government. Of course, I mean, I, I before I, I was uh, part of the FAI, in this interim role, I did speak a lot about the fact that, you know, in betting, I love horse racing, I love greyhound racing. You know, be helpful that somewhere along the line, the ability for us to progress games was just as important as greyhound racing and the horse racing's, um, you know, desire and need to upgrade their facilities, which they've all done. I mean, the Curras had a brilliant uh, make you know, makeover there, you know, and our grounds need that too. So it's about, you know, proving that we're uh, a capable organisation, that our governance is good, that our finances are, are, are in place, that our reporting and our auditing structure is good. And just on that, um, I think it's it's a big change. You know, it's it's a change to the culture because most um, people will know that, that there wasn't really a, a system in place. And, and that's the things, that, that and the governance that will come, you know, the international stuff feels good. The League of Ireland, there's a lot of work to do, but we're, we're delighted to be doing it. Uh, the grassroots have already reported to our board about changes that, that can really help and benefit grassroots around the country. Um, high performance have been in, uh, who linked the two. So there's lots of good things, guys, there. And we want to go back to governments. We want to show that our brand is coming out of the old ways. I think that's, that's uh, you know, if Gary and I would say what's success, uh, in this period of time that we've been put in interim, that all of those areas that I spoke to you are on the move. So just to clarify, Root Doctor is staying beyond this summer. I'm not privy to that now. I read in the paper there was a contract offered and Gary Holmes rang me and said, did you talk about that? I don't know anything about that. So um, I think there's a conversation there. Uh, and I think that conversation started before we got there and uh, we've had a good look at it. I don't see any reason going to, to put a big red flag up, but I do think there's a there's a process to be fulfilled yet. I'm just, we are coming towards the end, so I'm just conscious of, of getting some quick answers and quick questions, I guess, that... The, you mentioned the, uh, the, the jobs that are at hand and the tensions that have existed between, say, the schoolboy football towards the underage leagues. Are you confident? Like, does, does there have been a lot of messages from the FAI that the League of Ireland is very big going forward in the role of the, of the association. Are you confident that the other areas of the game support that? So they're quite worried at the moment because all the talk and all the media has been around League of Ireland and they feel they don't get their share. But I can assure them, you know, they are very much on the radar. Um, you know, the simple base grassroots um, message is, you know, we have targeted as the number one area within our business to restructure and to make better. Um, Jeremy McDermott and the team in there are doing very, very well. Um, an example, we, we spoke about... Uh, revitalizing and sending stuff around the country and the home skills project, you know, and we spoke about doing, getting our, our 
players and coaches maybe to help kids out at home with, with skills. And lo and behold, uh, the SFAI had, had done one fair play to them, which was really, really good. And we said we'd wait for that to end and then we'd be on. And we said if we could get 10,000, uh, and we brought the SFAI into it, by the way. Uh, and we said if we could get 10,000 views from young people in the first month, wouldn't that be something? We got 300,000 in three weeks. And that shows you, you know, that we have something good to offer to graduates. It's just snapshot. But where it really needs to go, and to get deeper into your question, Daniel, is the relationship between high performance, lead football, the grassroots, uh, and that point where national leagues take players to the next level. That has to be really repaired and engagement has to go on and all parties have to be happy to move forward because it's just as important that we have that right and repaired and we have proper structures in the national league than it is to have big crowds coming through at the top. And we're looking at ways of doing that, being creative for uh, schoolboy and schoolgirl football in this country. Um, I, I suppose I'll finish on that by just saying to you, uh, I, I have a few things personally, and, and look, the committee all sorts to put me on my box. Uh, if we have 20 teams and we have 1,000 schoolboy clubs, why should 10 or 12 of those clubs have a to be linked to a League of Ireland club? Why haven't those clubs gotten linked to that uh, elite program, but also have the ability from our coaches and our RDOs as part of our service go in and train them the exact same way that Stephen Kenny is training the team? The, the just on you broke up a small bit towards the end there now, but um, the All Island League, uh, there's been suggestion that the FAI and the IFA are looking at a maybe a steering group to discuss it as well. I mean, where, where is that at? Yeah, well, well first of all, that, that's not the case, and it was mentioned in one of our first meetings with the 19 clubs uh, that it might be a thing to aim for, you know, uh, on, on the All Island League because we we look at it, we like the work that's been put in, all of us do. In there, and it's about practicalities and understanding how it would work, and starting to, to build relationships with other stakeholders. So it was suggested at that meeting that one way might be to, to set a steering group, steering group, but let's let's not uh, you know go too far with that. Next day in the paper, it's uh, steering group has been set up between the efforts. So 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 the answer is no. You've gone a bit too far there, Daniel. Uh, it is in the pipeline, but I suppose on on Kieran Lucid's All Island League proposals, um, we like them. We like. Uh, I think it's been. Uh, well documented that we don't see it as standing in the way of anything that uh, that, um, that we see as progress for the league, and we think we can we can um, you know certainly investigate it further and, and be open to the clubs to say you, you guys really have to look at this closely, and we'll help you every way we can, and we won't stand in your way if you want to go down this path. Do you see the FEI having a role in whatever happens with the League of Ireland? Because before you came in, there was a suggestion of like a, a breakaway or a you know, a hybrid company or, or whatever it might be. But it does seem from discussions that you're seeing the FEI is very much, you know, as an overseer of what's happening. So is this your yeah, vision for it now? No, no, we're actually following guidelines from UEFA really on that and FIFA, you know, and FIFA have, have spoken about, the, you know, certain countries that leagues have broken away and problems that resulted. And really what we're trying to do is we're trying to give the, the league clubs, you know, as much of a say and as much of control without putting certain uh, constituents at risk. And we just want to be there to, uh, to protect as this um, hopeful new, hopefully new dawn of, of Irish football takes place once the pandemic ends. And, uh, you know, I, I think government appreciate that as well. And, and they like that we're, we're there. So, so a lot of stakeholders would be, uh, would be happy to see us in and around it and, and to be protective. But I do think there's some good energy 
in the League of Ireland clubs now. There, there seems to be you know new people have come in, and there's a greater desire to get the maximum value, and we just want to assist that. But as I said, we and, and that's not to say the clubs would, would forget about all the other things. I suppose a participation agreement, a different participation agreement than was ever in place before. And the clubs need to get some confidence from that. And, and if we can agree that position, mm. uh, you know, hopefully the sooner the better. And we all know what we're doing next season. I think um, that's, that's a great start point to build a plan whereby we can start to introduce academies, as we said, uh, links to, the, to grassroots, better links, um, a, a better harmony between the two women's football coming into play and ultimately facilities improving and government understanding the need to do that. Sorry, I never really answered your question. But um, I'll leave you, I'll leave you one thing now, right? you, you might put this in the, uh, in the podcast, but, but some tough days there. And there's a, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff going on, as you know, uh, the best day I had was in Darndale. And, and why was that? I went to see the night leagues that, um, the Darndale Gardy on the beat organized with young people in Darndale and they play leagues at night time and the crime rate drops to zero every time the night leagues take place and, and I went out to see them and the people in charge told me that in Darndale they've had money for everything every kind of a sport every kind of a thing the only thing that works is football and that's the power of football and that's the message I want government to hear and that they have trust in an association that will have football clubs as well as looking after their players, as well as the academies, as well as the girls, as well as women, that they will have community involvement, that they will have uh, make themselves a pillar in the community. And that will enhance everything they do. I was sick talking about Sunderland. I'm not going to do that. Speak to Dan Lambert at Bohemians. Let him tell you the value of being a presence in the community as opposed to being a League of Ireland club trying to win trophies. And then you'll see what this FAI is about. Yeah, thanks for making for that, Niall. I think we can all attest to that and the fact that the clubs have done so much in the communities and sadly that was really taken off uh, just before this all kicked in. But listen, thanks a million for your time and uh, we'll hope to have you on soon as well, uh, hopefully when the league starts to kick off again. Great, sir. Thanks, thanks Yeah, pleasure. Thanks, Thanks. Thanks again to Niall. Uh, we obviously have to apologise for the audio quality there um, and that is one of the issues i suppose when we are doing all these things remotely i saw today twitter have told basically their workers none of them needs to come in anymore they can just work from home and that's grand if you have a good internet connection and um, Nile didn't have a great internet uh, connection there at time so we hope that uh you enjoyed the interview and dan to be fair um you know he was very willing with his time and there were some very interesting points there i don't know what you made of it because you've been on you had an inter, an article in though today which which laid out um where the league of ireland stands and it was very interesting it's one of 12 club 12 leagues in the summer that's where we're at but there are all these myriad of issues but that must have been somewhat illuminating for for league of ireland clubs i hope anyway yeah i mean like there's no doubt i mean technically you know like on, as we know with all online debates and 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 so on it's maybe not it's not as easy for things to flow as you would like. And I'm sure that people would have had particular questions they would like us to ask. And obviously we, we've had to, um, you know, we've had to, to work hard on, on the audio of some of that because we, and we possibly have lost a couple of bits, but did try to get the main questions in um, as regards where we are in 2020. Probably didn't get a chance to really develop the broader discussion with Lee completely. Um, but I, I, I think that the big thing at the moment is 2020. Um, and this is the, like, this is the, 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 the sort of the slight dilemma that we face at the moment is that we don't know where we're going. 
and we are reliant. It's funny, I, ha- I have heard even that, I mean, of course, all the meetings with the FBI and the clubs, of course, they're happening through the same format, through online chats and, and discussions. And I've heard tales of like people's perception and coverage going down at like key points of meetings. So like it's, um, you know, it, it's an obstacle to us all. But so, I mean, if, if people wanted certain things asked and say we didn't get around to it, we, we do apologize for it. But I guess what we have established is that, um, and what it all boils down to is that to get clubs to agree to this, the FEI need to present a package on the table that minimizes risk to clubs. Because clubs aren't, I think it's Niall, they might use the word that we, we're not, we're not looking for clubs to trade recklessly, i.e. just go back on a wing and a prayer and say, we'll give it a go, but actually we don't know that we can pay this or that. So there are essentials to this. It's And UEFA it's are the, imploring them to continue. Well, UEFA imploring them, I thought that would have been significant. UEFA gave them the option to remove the first division and the FER taking up, which is significant. It would suggest that they, they feel that, that maybe first division clubs are on board. Now we'll, we'll see if that comes to pass but that was certainly the inference um, that money from streaming which is obviously a very complicated area um, because it doesn't really seem as though they've hammered that down to any great degree but that money from streaming isn't and it's the inference I took from that is that the streaming money is not like they're, they're not going it's to like a bonus nearly it's more of a bonus than the the, the be all end all so and that clearly Really, reading between the lines, you wouldn't say it, unless there's some third-party benefactor that's emerging here as a hero-type figure, that there is a heavy element of state support and protection around wages that is needed. But I think the line was said, you know, that we could potentially face the, the, the risk of stopping, you know, risks with the degree of carnage. And I, you know, I, I do agree with that. And uh, I know the people... Yeah. Um, now, the, the issue of... We have a lot of fans who listen to this who want to go and watch their team. And uh, the issue of neutral grounds, uh, I'm not sure if that is going to be satisfactory to people in neutral grounds. But if it's a case that, that playing neutrally, and this is me speculating to a degree, if, if playing neutrally, um, playing neutrally minimizes the costs in such a way that the health costs can be uh, managed. You know, it is a point, but but of course, you know, if you're from Cork or Ben Harps and Sligo, and it does appear that these are the clubs that have more of an issue with this, that they have to factor in uh, loss of gate revenue, have to factor in travel if they're not able to play on the home grounds. I understand where all the concerns are. Yeah, the piece I touched on in today's paper, you linked to it there. Look, I'm getting a bit frustrated by how some of the debates are getting sidetracked by looking at examples that aren't really relevant to us. Um, but for example, now there is geographical reasons, of course, that we're very tied in with England and, and team sports in this island. There's also public Germany and he- the fact that we might be able to learn something yeah, from them and but, so on. Yeah, but the, the public health advice in this island will naturally dictate. I mean, that, that is the key here. But if public health officials say that they are okay with team sports from August taking place here, then watch EA and rugby doesn't do doesn't really matter to us and they have different calendar situations GA obviously has no international comparison they can move at their own pace massive rugby, grounds as well yeah well yeah but like, I'm just saying they don't have to worry about another league you know mm. and what it means for them rugby clearly there are some issues there and with France I see and there's some tensions there but still the European nations there's six of them really and they will move in step together 
all the stuff that's going on in England, very relevant to us in some ways, not relevant in other ways. Um, because actually what the England is trying to do, they're not talking about no football taking place in 2020. They're actually talking about how they finish this season so they can try and start next season in some shape or form. Mm. And actually all their attention is around who goes up and who goes down and, and who gets relegated. To start the next season in September, October, more than likely, but no fans there. And that seems to be the, the League One, League Two. You don't have fans in stadiums in 2021. So what we need to look at is, that's the same in, in all the leagues around Europe and winter leagues. It's actually starting next season. We are one of the only nations, along with Moldova, of the 12 summer leagues that doesn't have a plan now really firmly for when we're going to play football again. And people are talking casually about, well, we can we'll just wait till 2021 when there is no guarantee that it will be any safer then than it is now. And I think what was significant, what was said there, is that UEFA are clearly imploring leagues not to make decisions about just calling off football for the year because of the problems they will face. And I completely understand that. And my view on this is as 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 um changed over time or it's it's you know I, I've taken different views and I know you've had the, you've had views on streaming from the start and streaming is a big issue and then you wonder is it a, is it the major issue now or is it not an issue at all? Um I do firmly believe that we have to try and play football this year. Um but at the same time the figures that are laid out and I laid it out in the piece today illustrate why of all the summer leagues we are the most vulnerable to closed doors games because we have 28% of our income from fans through the gates in Latvia, Estonia other places it's 1% mm. they got 1% of their income comes from crowds because they get crap crowds and they also have big benefactors propping up clubs and I've seen that from Riga last year and other teams from Estonia we've played in European competition really small crowds but they clearly have wealthy owners whether they're Russians or whoever it might be that are able to fund the club, but they can get going without fans. We don't have that situation. And we don't have TV income. And a lot of clubs rely on match revenue, as in what happens uh, you know, on the day, on match day. And one thing I didn't get to ask Niall, and I regret it because it's an anecdotal thing going around, is that clubs obviously have submitted to the FAI uh, how much money they would lose from closed doors football, you know, how much revenue they use. Now, I've heard anecdotally, some clubs have put in figures that are, you know, fine. Some others, like, you know, you hear this tale of a club that if their figures were true, they would be getting 10,000 people at every game. So I would hope that clubs aren't trying to pull a fast one in terms of making estimates and what the reasons for that might be. But that is anecdotal, and I am very conscious. Neil O'Reilly did mention, uh, Neil O'Reilly did a piece the other day, which I thought made a very good point, that everyone who has an opinion on this who has expressed an opinion on this is probably has a vested, you know, has a vested interest to some degree. You know, different Absolutely. clubs have different reasons, different things. And that's making the debate um, clouded. And it's going to come down to clubs to make the decision, it seems, which is which has the potential to be very messy because clubs have different... There's so much division, Dan. I think that's so the much division. And, and like, so it, it looks tricky. But I just think this, that... that but did you no, did you get confidence from that what he said in terms of yes we have this and we're going to you know this doesn't have anything to do with streaming we have this he's not really telling us where the money's coming from and our clubs listening and say well we've heard this all before but there's no clarity here well the fact is that they're going to have to have that clarity eventually or else next week this, or, or else this doesn't exist do you know what I mean mm-hmm. so you say do I have confidence well I mean I, I can't have confidence because I don't know what the package is now I have to have That's confidence the point, though. That, 
I have to have confidence that they've got assurances from somewhere that they can they can present something to the clubs that the gap, the risk attached is small. But I can't say that now without it. It all hinges on this. Um, it all it all hinges on club has been left with an equation that returning to football in this situation, you would need to 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 make up this gap here that we can provide protection on the cost of public, you know, of, of health degrees. And, you know, you would assume that the, what the government come back to will tell them what the framework is for that. So we can maybe provide you assurances from whatever it might be that you need to generate this amount of money yourselves. Can you generate this money through fundraising in a way that you don't fundraise at the moment, for example? But I think that that gap needs to be manageable. And if the gap isn't manageable, clubs aren't going to vote for this. But if clubs don't vote for this, uh, and we have a situation where the health officials have said you can play, and the clubs say no. It's the complete reverse, say, of racing, that you're very passionate about. Racing wants to come back, and, and, and the health officials are saying no. If we have a situation in football where health officials say, actually, we think you can come back, you, can, you don't have to social distance during the 90 minutes, but you're doing all the times, but we're giving you the okay for this. And the clubs then unilaterally, or, or you know, as, a, as a vote, democratically, so that we won't. Well, I just think we're very exposed because no other league in Europe potentially is going to do what we do, which is to abandon a season at the start of it. It's one thing to abandon it towards the end when you've got players' contracts that are one or two months left. But if you abandon it at the start, like I understand that the wage bill for professional players in the league at the moment is around €600,000 per month, uh, all in. Now, obviously, that would be weighted heavily towards certain clubs. Uh, and that the wage subsidy scheme at the moment, give or take, probably covering around 400000 of that. Right, so we have clubs owing six hundred grand per month to players. So let's just take June, July, August, September, October. That's that's three million quid, right? You know, so the wage the wage subsidy can potentially cover two thirds of that. But if you take out a situation uh, where you say we're not playing football this year, we're not. We've decided we're not going to resume the season. The government and isn't so, supporting anymore. The, the, well, the clubs will then stop paying those wages, I believe. Mm. You know, I, I can't imagine that they can keep, you know, maybe in exceptional circumstances, but I find it hard. So you have a situation where there's like three million in money in money's owed. Um, and I can't see how like, there would have to be a, a strong negotiation between clubs and players and unions to to like whether it's I don't know how you would go at it. You might have to give guarantees that all your 2020 squad will have contracts for next year. But what if you're a player that's in his mid-30s who might be in his last season, who might be your last contract, you know? You don't want to lose I, sight I, of those players I, I as just, well who I are coming feel, towards the end of their careers and they're like... I just you know, feel it's going to... It could get messy. But it and is. it does look like uh, if it's a 19-club vote and he says the first division clubs seemingly are kind of on board with this, it would seem, in theory, if it's a democratic vote, that it will get carried. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it depends. I heard a suggestion you might need 15 clubs to go for out of 19. That is not verified. That's just chat, right? That would fall. I think that the four clubs in the Premier the four European clubs, potentially someone like Shelburne might be on the more positive side of things. Then you have the first division clubs, but I, I'm not, I, I can't verify that about the first division clubs at the moment. Um, and, you know, I, I am conscious people will listen to this later in the week and maybe this will become clear. Um, but I think you are looking at the clubs that have laid players off, so you're looking, even if in some cases they've reversed it. I think you are looking at uh, Cork City, St. Pat's, Sligo Rovers, Waterford and Finn Harps. And, and as I said, with the exception of Pat's, 
the other four would have travel issues and 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 very listen they're valid complaints right they are valid complaints i'm not going to do down their complaints because they are um but they are also the clubs that are down at the bottom of the league um, who are likely you know to be in a relegation scrap uh, and you know that what's their motivation to come back they have to be given a strong motivation to come back they can't face risk but i don't think I don't know if this solution is just to wait until we have a vaccine or we wait until we know. Like, are they proposing that we just put all players in the league on the dole for a year? Mm. Like, that's that's not that's that's potentially very damaging. And, and I think, as Noel Quinn said, I do agree with the point. You don't want to be sitting there in October thinking um, we could have come back and we've made some quick decision here. Now, people will talk about a winter league. You know, and, and, and of course, we also have to be very mindful, we haven't really mentioned, like, there will be individual players, of course, who will be just concerned about the health picture. Now, fingers crossed, Absolutely. our figures are improving, and fingers crossed we're getting better, but um, there, there's so many things that need to, to come together for this. And, like, it, it, we, can, we can talk, we can go round and round in circles here, Johnny, and we probably have to a degree about, what about this? What about neutral venues? What about, will fans be allowed in? What it all comes down to, quite simply, is that if the FBI aren't able to sit in front of the clubs and present them a package that gives them financial certainty to some degree, then they're not going to go for it. Like they need protection around X percent of whatever it is. And then, but, but at the same time, I also feel as well that if the margin is small, um, you have to hope that the priority from all parties that if the let's health play. people are okay with it, let's play and let's, let's be play. bold and let's back ourselves. And if it's a case that when it comes, and if it's a case that maybe then we just have to, that the budgets next year have to be smaller. If it's a case that players have to be paid less next year um, as a consequence, then so be it. You know, if it's a case that if everyone gets back and gets paid, but there has to be a bit more understanding around licensing players will buy this, year, this year, this mm-hmm. year, or you know, do, do players have to agree some kind of cut to come back, or some give and take to come back? I don't know. Like, I'm throwing out suge- su- su- you know, suggestions here, but I think we have to look for solutions rather than looking for problems. I, I, I think, think, as well, I think we, people are looking for problems too much. Yeah. That can't, be, I think, I, that can't be our guiding principle either. I think as your piece laid out today, there are other summer leagues that are kind of, they're ahead of us on this and we can kind of analyse what's going on there and take lessons from it. And it is an evolving situation as well. Things may well improve on every level in terms of the health levels. Things might be found that will help us accelerate through this. So for us to be making rash judgments in the first half of the year in terms of, you know what, let's kind of slightly forget about the welfare of our players here who are facing into a very uncertain future and just can the whole season. I think that should be an absolute dystopian solution, the one we should try to avoid. And I think there were positives from what he said there. I am conscious of the fact that people are still, right from the start of Niall Quinn's involvement in the FAI, there, 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 there is a lot of nice talk. There's a lot of um, you know nice words and a lot of positivity. It doesn't necessarily translate anything concrete. And I think people are still very wary of that. And they're like, well, where is where is the solution here? But I think there was positivity out of that. Um, and I just you know I just hope that 
the clubs can come together in some sort of sort of unity. But I think that that division that we often reference going forward, the league is never going to get anywhere if it is so much at, at different levels from top to bottom. And that's just in the Premier Division. Yeah. We need some sort of a far more egalitarian structure where clubs can be fairly on, on something of a level of power because they're in different. They're basically in, it's like first world versus third world in the one division at the moment, and that's creating a massive problem. Yeah, I completely agree. And I also, listen, I know what clubs are saying. I know that some clubs just aren't convinced by what they're hearing. I guess in defense of, of, of the, the current FBI people, though, is that I don't know if anyone has the answers for the problems that the league face. Um, and maybe sometimes the problem is uh, presenting the image that you have the answers when actually maybe you have to admit that... You have to... Well, 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 no, I think I think... 2020 is a more pressing issue, but I mean, I'm actually talking long term, more it's, broadly. It's it's, it's, a, it's basically proper funding of the league. I would that's yeah, it. no, it is Simply. of course, but but how how that is uh, distributed? Do we have too mm. many clubs? Like you yeah. know, like, like for example, the, the the view around the FDI in the past, and I've always found this to be a, a slight contradiction, is that the FDI the FBI in the past finished at the FBI there. The, F, the FBI in the past. Um, FAI files would have had a strong leadership and a portrayal of a glorious leader. Um, yet, actually, when it came to decision making, a lot of the things that they tried to do were very populist. Now, actually, the, the, what, there was a tendency not to make unpopular decisions, i.e., tell this club it needs to close, tell this league we don't need you know, 32 schoolboy leagues, because there was all these fiefdoms around the country that were preserved. And actually, there was a reluctance to sometimes make the unpopular calls. Um, like, for example, because saving face was the priority. So in recent years, we've had clubs, crisis clubs in the league in a bad way. And rather than maybe addressing situations of a sense of, well, let's get them through the season, let's get them through the season so people can't say, they can't attack the FEI for saying that the league's a mess. And what it did was it just it put a lot of bandages over things rather than actually... Yeah looking at, at, at healing things. And like, that's, that's, that's been part of the problem. And actually, I think that what someone needs to do with the league, potentially, is say, we, we need less clubs, but are you willing to take the negative publicity of saying, of being the guy who goes in and slashes it and says, mm. you know what, you're gone, or you need to merge with this club, or you need to do that. Like, people don't want to face those decisions. Mm. And then, um, so... That's my only defense, really, of the people coming in. I don't think anyone has the definitive answers because, you know, we all have different opinions of what we need to do. And um, I think, but, in fairness, with Stephen uh, Kenny at the Irish Helm, I think there will be from the top. Um, a lot of love towards football in this country and a big upsurge in terms of self-belief because if you have a situation where the League of Ireland clubs entered into a confidentiality agreement which effectively was depriving themselves of money um, and yet they were happy to go along with this it showed how downtrodden the League of Ireland clubs Absolutely. were after do you know what I mean like so you have a really oppressed people whatever about the, the, the top you have a really you know clubs not feeling their own worth and um, I think when, when, when we look at that and we, we show what actually was achieved from even from Rovers in 2011 and Dundalk and the quality of the football we have now from the position they were in of really being shat upon um, I think there is huge potential there I really do and it's just it's a shame that, that this has happened but I think going forward we have an awful lot to be positive about and I think Kenny will be very important for that as well because he's coming from the right kind of standing and I, I'm, I'm still unconvinced about this FAI who knows 
Yeah, but like, yeah, but I, I don't think anyone can be convinced either way because we don't have, we don't have a firm answer. I just like once there's there's, and I wanted to ask at the end about well, do the FBI have a role going forward? Because how are they going to handle this communication? Like, how are they going to handle? Do you put it in the hands of clubs to to to, to plot their own course, or is that fraught with problems? Because as we see with this instance here, like clubs want different things. Clubs don't trust each other. Clubs, you know, are convinced that other people are out to get them. Uh, in some cases, correctly; some cases, incorrectly. And, you know, there's long, long-standing suspicions going back over years, and there's no, you know, one-size-fits-all policy, as has been said, that suits everyone in the league. But you can't then get clubs to pull together and kick someone out. You know what I mean? So mm. like, it's 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 really it, it is difficult. I don't think you can be very critical of what people have done and and maybe critical of the answers they're not giving. But I don't think you can say, well, it's very straightforward what we have to do. Like mm. the, the, the the minefield mentioned we were a doctor there and you have a situation where, uh, you know, the underage, national underage leagues are positively received by some. Others think they're the worst thing that's ever happened. Yeah. Um, some people want to be a doctor gone. Some, you know, some people think he deserves more of a chance. You know, some people think that what we actually need is just people to get together in a room and talk, which doesn't happen maybe as much or get together in an online room as it might be for the foreseeable yeah. future. There's no... There's no obvious. There's no obvious solution. So listen, I mean, we, we we we'll see where we are when we do our next show. Like we are conscious that this is an evolving thing. That we do have a heart ruling the head, maybe even ourselves, because we want it back. We, we want to be back in the studio, staring at the camera for a long period of time, wondering when the next ads are going to be. And you know, your your Butch Harmon. Uh, turn to the camera and prompt you know if you want to be talking I mean, about games and instances people forget well, about us Dan we, we, were, we, had ju- we had just started our season and it was ruined you know what were we now we're, now episodes now, in or something we don't, we don't have any makeup here or anything like that mm. you know we've no um, hair is gone to make to, us um, but yeah like oh. I, I do I do I, I am th- we are thankful to Niall as well in fairness he could have done what other people in his position might have done and just kind of fobbed us off but he came on and he answered the questions in fairness to him and you know I, I appreciate they've inherited a difficult situation here and uh, I don't know Dan I, I, I know you'll be you'll be covering this story I imagine you're looking forward to the next development because it's going to be developing fast I'd say in the next week as well yeah well I mean it needs to like it needs to develop fast, but we also don't need to make a knee-jerk decision that we can't reverse. Mm. So like there's 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 a bit of that, but yeah, like it's been an ongoing story. I think it's quite draining for people though. Like they need to know at some point because clubs who are paying wages need to know are they paying it for a reason. Um clubs who aren't need to make plans to, to come back. Players who want to go train and need to know if they're gonna be paid or not. Like we can't have the, I, I have been stuck. I mean, I've been busy. I mean, that's fine, but like we are in this cycle where Every day, every day, there comes a point where we just need to know, even if it's a new date that we're gearing towards that we may accept, you know, it's, it depends on, on our figures and our phases and our roadmap. But uh, my preference is to get is to find a way to get back playing because I do believe that people are underestimating how messy it could get otherwise. Yeah, so is mine. And uh, I suppose I appreciate the fact that some clubs just can't see it. And uh, I appreciate that. But I, don't, I think everyone needs to be positive at the very least. And thanks very much for listening. That was episode 11 of season four. Um, we have had some fairly blockbuster episodes. And I hope this one um, provided you with some clarity and hope at this difficult time. And we shall hopefully see you soon. But there are limits to your life.